What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. I have an amazing guest. We had an unbelievable conversation. We talked about uh, consistency. We talked about getting control of your money. We talked about ways and paths to financial freedom. We talked about buying rental properties. We talked about building a buy box. Like This show is packed. And I can't believe that he, my guest has never been on the show before. I have Michael Zuber today uh, from One Rental at a Time. He's got a large YouTube channel, came and spoke at Flip Hacking Live this year. Absolute incredible investor and just incredible guy. Uh, talk, we talk about the difference between running a business and being a W-2 employee. And the fact that if you're a W-2 employee, that's okay. You can still become financially free and wealthy in the real estate space and how. So I hope you guys enjoy the show today. If you are interested in catching the live replay of Flip Hacking Live, he was one of the speakers, you can hear his entire presentation, then we have a link in the description. You'll get a link in the email or social media or wherever we have it. Uh, ha have sent you this podcast, you can check it out there, but I encourage you to jump in. And if you're listening to this after the fact, Flip Hacking Live 2023 is likely something that you can get a hold of. You can buy a recording for or donate to our charity or is there some way where we could get you the recordings of that. You just have to send us an email, info at sevenfigureflipping.com. Okay, I hope you guys enjoy the show. It's jam-packed, absolutely incredible. Enjoy. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. What's up, everybody? I am back with a amazing show, and I'm actually really excited today. I have been doing podcasts all week, and if you don't know, and you, or you've never recorded a lot of episodes in a row, um, I really only like to do about one a day, unless I'm on somebody else's show. If I'm on somebody else's show, I have no problem, but if I have to run the conversation one a day. so uh, But I've been doing like three or four a day to get caught up, especially to go through January, and, um, but I, and so normally I'm like, like I'm not really like looking forward to a, a call sometimes, but I'm really looking forward to this one because uh, I love my guest today. Michael Zuber is actually absolutely incredible guy. I, I remember the first time that I ever like came across him was years ago on Facebook, and it was uh, someone who was talking about I can can you come on my YouTube channel? Like all the people that I was friends with on Facebook, all I saw was this guy named Michael Zuber who was like, "Would you come on my YouTube channel? I need to get you on my YouTube channel," and that was like. All I ever saw him talking about was his YouTube channel. And the reason I say that is because most of you are not willing to put in the work and the time to build something um, mm. long enough for it to be successful. You're not willing to, and like to stink at it or not be good at it is not the term here. It's actually to like practice your craft, get really good at it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I watched him do this in the background and it was just kind of watching, like, I don't even know if we really like talk or spoke, but maybe somebody like recommended yep. me or something. And then he was yeah. like, I, I need to get you, you need to come on my YouTube channel. I was like, all right. Like I've never been on a YouTube <laughs> channel before. Don't have a YouTube channel. I didn't know anything about YouTube really. I don't watch yeah. it. I don't subscribe to it at that time. This is like five, six years ago, right? Yeah. And 2018. So, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so since then he has built a big, huge YouTube channel and, and sees like a lot of success from it because he was willing to put in the work. And I know, I know Michael's here, but you, you kind of heard from him a second ago, but you guys don't even know. He's probably like, are you kidding me? Like recording three podcasts <laughs> in a day. Like I do that in an hour for like four hours straight every single day. 
So we'll talk about that today. We'll talk about like his talk at Flip Hacking Live, had the opportunity to have him. But like, I want to introduce you to what I believe to be a good friend of mine, even though we spend most of the time virtually together, online, those kind of things, and have been in the same room a few times. But I, I, I would fly out. I would do lots. I would do whatever he asked me to do. And I know like we've built a really good relationship, which I love. And in this industry, it's sometimes a challenge to find people that you really connect with, that have great values, um, that you share with them. And so I'm really excited to have Michael Zuber on the show today. What's up, Michael? How are you? Uh, thank you for that. Yeah, I, rem I remember the communication back in 2018. Uh, the channel just started and I was looking for folks who had a story. And obviously you had a story in 2018. The stories only got on to be bigger and better from then. Uh, but the one thing that's really interesting when you start to have even just a little success on YouTube is you get a lot of people suddenly reaching out to you to be on your show. And um, I'm very picky. I'm very picky on who, who gets on and, and certainly who gets on more than once, which you've been on multiple, multiple times um, because I believe in you. I believe what you're doing. And on my channel, I often introduce you as the following. I believe Bill Allen is on the Mount Rushmore of real estate investors. So he's the, you know, the top three, four, five folks in my entire universe of 20 some odd years of investing, going to events uh, Bill Allen is that good of an investor and he's a better human being. So when Bill asks for something, the answer is yes. Mm. Well, I love that. Thank you very much. And, and But this is my show. So you <laughs> have to talk about yourself. So um, tell if you can tell everybody a little bit about your background. You talk about you know 20 plus years of investing. Um, some people might not know your history, your background, and like sure. how much you've done, even going back to your time in corporate America, like your story mm -hmm. is really powerful. And I think, and, and even your message, your message of like, you know, buying rental properties and the fact that you can become wealthy, become free, uh, mm -hmm. you know, over time, just by doing a small amount of real estate, which is somewhat different than what a lot of people think that, that we do is like, Hey, get to a million dollars a year really fast and burn yourself out doing it. But I think there's like a real good balance in there. So uh, maybe give, yeah. give everybody the background of who you are. and, and Yeah. So if, your, I, if I were to give kind of a two or three minute back bio on me, uh, I am a W and two employee. I'm not an entrepreneur. That's how I look at myself. I'm a, I'm a great, or I was, I retired in 18. I was a great employee. I was an okay investor. I don't see myself as an entrepreneur. My story began with real estate in, when I was 30, uh, I had turned seven grand into 200 grand in the stock market during what's called the dot-com era. Uh, I thought I couldn't do any wrong and it all went away. 200 grand really went to 40 grand in about a two or three week period. So it, it, it vanished. And that was hard for me. I grew up with very little uh, housing insecure. I got a job at 13 to put food in the fridge. So Money, money's a trigger for me. So first going from seven grand to 200 grand, my, my family had never seen money like that. So to lose, you know, $160,000, um, was beyond depressing. And I remember walking through a, a bookstore borders. There was actually a physical bookstore pre Amazon and finding what to me was a life-changing book, rich dad, poor dad. I call it the purple book. It introduced concepts to me that I didn't know exist. It, it was like the world opened. And Bill, this is embarrassing. I had an advanced, I had a degree in economics 
an advanced degree called an MBA. I was an accountant out of school. And here I am at 30 years old being enlightened by a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Unfortunately, Rich Dad, Poor Dad changes your mindset, but doesn't tell you how. There's not a how, it's not a how-to book. So I spend the next year consuming every real estate book on the planet. All of them told me, Bill, to invest in your backyard. I happen to live in the Silicon Valley. I happen to want cash flow. I spent a year, 52 Sundays. That was the day I did. Every Sunday for 52 weeks, we tried to find cash flow in the Bay Area. It didn't work. Again, I'm feeling depressed. Olivia, my wife, goes, this isn't working. We have to try something else. For us, out-of-state investing wasn't a thing. It wasn't an option. I hate to fly, right? I'm a nervous flyer. I feel every bump. And oh, by the way, I've done a million miles. So tie that together. It's crazy. So we had to go, we had to get in a car. We started drawing circles around where we live. And we found Fresno, California, which is two and a half hours one way from where we live. But the numbers made sense. And uh, in about three months or so, we buy our first property on Norris Drive. We feel like heroes. And unfortunately, if you've read my book, One Rental at a Time, you know that first tenant never paid rent. They got divorced. The wife left, took the kids. The, the husband became a drunk. Took three months to get him out. $1,000 eviction. And then a $15,000 repair bill because he decided to destroy, destroy our house. I got to tell you, at that moment, looking at that house, I was ready to give up again. And Olivia said, did we do anything wrong? She is so smart, so in tune. And we didn't. We credit checked. We reference checked. Income. All We just, there's no box on the application, are you going to get divorced? And um, she was right. We tried it again. And, and I'm so glad we did. You know, that house produced cash flow for the next three years. We 1031 out of that house into an apartment building that we still own today. You know, lo and behold, that one decision, we went from one house to, you know, hundreds of units and, you know, retired in, in 2018. So um, all, all our stuff, no partners, no syndications, no JVs, all our stuff, uh, you know, 1031 exchanges, you know, private or uh, cash out refis. We borrowed a bunch of private money as debt in the crash. And uh, I never left one market. We've been in one market for 20 years, have a team, have several teams. And uh, it can work. It takes time. Uh, I think most people, I think most people, to your point, should focus on getting one or four rental properties. I think four rental properties changes your life. I think the social media craze about thousands and hundreds is misguided. And I say that with experience. So I retire February 2nd, 2018. I'm invited to speak at a San Jose real estate meetup that has 100 people there. I'm the keynote speaker. I tell our story. I'm excited, right? I'm two months out of a W-2 job. So I'm raving about the portfolio and gross rents and net rents. And I'm excited. I think I kill it. I get a standing ovation, blah, blah, blah. I go to the car. I go to get in my car when I'm done. And I can still remember the empty feeling, Bill, of a couple saying, good for them. We can't do it. Mm. Because I was talking about numbers that people can't comprehend. I built 200 units over 20 years, not day one. So from that day forward, Bill, I've talked about getting to four. Four changes your life. One a year for four years. One every other year for eight years. A full-time employee that takes the time to get four cash flow properties 
and pays them off over the next 30 years will have an amazing retirement. That was my goal. When I was at Borders at 30 years old, depressed from losing all that money, I just wanted four houses, paid off when I was 65, so I could have options. And then by doing the work and being focused, you know, more happened. But that's that, that's where I'll stop and let you ask some questions. Well, I think that's great. The you know, so I I just yesterday I talked to there's probably about 150 families that uh, with kids. So we did an event for kids about financial uh, education and like wealth oh, awesome. creation and things like that. And we're we're launching a a kids program now called Teenage Tycoon. I'm writing a book right now called Teenage Tycoon. And so wow. there was there were about 100 there about about 70 families in person. And there was at least 100 online. There might have been 150. Uh, it was over 200 people online. And most of them were single computers with a whole family sitting around the computer watching it on the TV or, or something like that. And most people thought that I was going to say, you have to be an entrepreneur. You have to be a business owner. You to, in order to, to grow wealth and find financial freedom, you have to be this 1% entrepreneur business owner uh, and, and take, you know, what seems to most people to be high risk, which I, I don't believe is, but you know, it, and not be a, a W2 employee. And mm. what I did was instead we talked about options. Like you can be a W2 employee and become really wealthy, really, and really financially free if you can figure out how to solve a big enough problem mm -hmm. inside of somebody else's business, but it takes active income to turn around and turn it into passive income. And so, so the thing that I focused on was for figure out for them as young people. I mean, we had kids ages six and seven up to 18, 19 there. Wow. And it was about finding their like active income stream and figuring out how to grow that so that they can, mm -hmm. they can buy passive income and figure out what to do. And so, and, and then there's a skill set that comes along with it. They can figure out what, like what they're passionate about and what, what they're best in the world at and what's their unique ability and all these things. But what I had was I had my videographer come up and talk to them because he's 24 years old and he was on, he was on the call before Morgan, 24 years old, deathly afraid to talk to a group. He, he wants to be behind the camera, not in front of it. But when I heard his story, he was, he just was so in like, enthusiastic about YouTube when he was young. Mm. He would make these videos. He'd take his mom's VHS tape uh, recorder when he was really young and was making videos at six years old. And then, you know, at eight and nine and 10, bought his first DSLR camera at 11. And, and then he just kept making videos for no pay and just like learning and learning and getting excited about it and finding his passion there. And then I said, I asked him, I said, when is the first time that you ever got paid to make videos? And he's like, mm the day that you hired me like a couple of years ago. <laughs> and I was like, what? I didn't know that. And so yeah, he amazing. said, look, I, I'm, I'm never going to be an entrepreneur. I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I don't want to, I'm not a visionary, but what I mm. love to do is I like taking other people's vision and bringing them to life. And, and like you have that and you figure that out early, you can bolt it on and you can figure out how to make as much money as you want and do the things that mm. really fill you up. So I, I, I'm totally on board with your story. Like for those people that are listening, a lot of what people come on here and talk about is how fast can I leave my W-2 job? And the only time that I'm going to tell you to do that is if you hate it. Like if you mm -hmm. absolutely hate it. Like I love flying airplanes for the Navy. I built a multi-million dollar real estate business while I was flying airplanes for the Navy full time. At no point while I was doing that did I plan on leaving the Navy. I wasn't doing that so I could get out of my job. I said, I will stay in the military as long as I'm flying airplanes and having fun. And when they gave me a desk, I left. 
<laughs> and so, you know, it wasn't yeah. fun anymore. And honestly, I was yeah. having more fun in real estate building businesses too than I was having in the military. And also I was thinking about that way more than flying while I was flying. And I said, this is dangerous. Like this is actually dangerous because I would rather mm. be figuring out my business and flipping houses, doing that stuff than studying the emergency procedures and the manuals and things like that. And yeah. it's, it's getting to the point where I'm obsessing over this real estate game instead of my, my flying career. So, so anyway, all that to say, long story of if you're listening and you're a W2 employee and you love your job and you also are excited and interested in real estate, you can do both. Absolutely. I, I, I've, I've come to believe that getting wealthy is a very simple three-step process, whether you're an entrepreneur or a W2 employee. One, you have to create disposable income. There's yes. only three ways to do that. Increase your active income, lower your expenses, or do both. Number two, you have to become an elite investor at something. You and I chose real estate. You flip, I buy and hold. You could do stocks, whatever it is. Become unbalanced. This idea of diversification when you're building is hogwash. Become unbalanced on your thing. And then here you go, folks. The magic sauce and number three, is it takes a decade. Yeah. This is not a get rich quick. This is not get rich tomorrow. This is get rich for sure. It's that simple. And uh, I've been lucky enough to speak to high school classes. And one of the, the questions I ask them is, how many of you can live on 2,500 bucks a month? Now they have no context to bill, so they all raise their hand. The point of asking them that question is, I say, if that's true, you could be financially free by the time you're 25 whether it's doing a side hustle, whether it's, you know, again, go right, go right back to step one, get disposable income. For some people, that means getting crazy restrictive on expenses. Others are, I'm going to go increase my income. Why not do both? That's the only reason Olivia and I kept growing is we went from spending 100% of our income to spending 50% and our income went up and we still did that ratio. And the, the thing that I think is really funny about this is I've now come to realize, Bill, that for the 10 or 15 years we sacrificed, our friends were talking behind our back and making fun of us. We didn't upgrade our house. We didn't change zip codes. We didn't get new cars. We didn't take crazy vacations. We just sacrificed and bought assets, sacrificed and bought assets. And then time took care of itself. And you know now we, take, we took January off and we're in Asia and we just did three weeks in Europe and we just bought a crazy ass house in Vegas. And it can happen, but you need 10 years. And for us, it's been 23. Um, so it works. It's a pretty simple process. It's just most people won't commit to 10 years. Yeah. And, and that sacrifice over that long term is so when I think back, there's there's a, another tip that I gave them that I'll share here exactly what you just said. Um, and what I did was for me, I was single when I was, you know, for a long time while I was flying in the, in the military. So same thing. I said, instead of keep, you, you said keep the, uh, you kept the ratio the same as you got a raise. What I did, I, I made it a game. What mm -hmm. I said was, okay, I'm living off of this right now. Like when yeah. I was in Ensign in 01, I was, I would live off of like, I'd live probably below my means. Like I wouldn't do a lot of things or go out or spend a bunch of money. And I was really kind of thrifty. People call me cheap. And um, I would like to use the word frugal. 
probably, or smart, <laughs> or, or fiscally fiscally advanced. Let's use that word. I like it. Um, oh, I like so it. I, I would, I had this level of like, of spending, and then what happened was I got a raise to Lieutenant JG, so the next the next level up, okay. and so my my pay increase might be like ten percent, but my expenses stayed fixed, like fixed dollar there you amount. Go. And then I would, then I, then I became a lieutenant, and my pay went up again. And, and even every year, my pay would go up. And then we moved to San Diego. I mean, I moved to San Diego, and the, then the the housing pay that I got went up, and everything went up. Like my, all, all of the cost of living ex- things that we got that were tax free went up. And mm-hmm. as it went up, my percentage started going way up. Like my actual saving percent went up. And I, I don't like the word saving. Like I don't have a saving percent. I have an investing percent. Yeah. Like I don't save it. I invest it and I want it to compound. So when I started, I was like, you know, s- saving like 30% of my salary. Then it was like 40. Then it was 50. Then it was like 65, 70. And so mm. as I got like higher, I was Lieutenant commander basically living off of a, a brand new ensign salary. Mm. And so all of it went in for a long period of time, like you said, and, um, and it wasn't until I got married and very quickly we had our first son that, that those things started getting more expensive. I had to take care of my sure. wife. She, did, she, she didn't work and then take care of my son. And so those things, but that's when I really ramped up my investing game because I realized that I, like this slow and steady in the stock market is just not going to work for me. And, yeah. um, and I was becoming an expert, like you said, an elite investor, but you know, I couldn't control any of that. It was really at I, there was no skill that I could bring to the table I didn't feel like unless mm-hmm. I became a day right. trader, which I didn't want to do. And it was just yeah. too risky for me. I, di- I didn't like the concept. And so um, so I found real estate. I became like started to learn and study and, and learn it all behind the scenes. And then for years, it was like that, just being like totally broke, like all of my money went into investing. I, every dollar that I that I put in that account, I wanted to turn into two or five or ten. Yep. And then it started stacking and stacking and stacking. And so now when people are like, you don't live below your means. Like I just, I just bought a car the other day and it's a nice car and it was kind of expensive. And so now it's, but it's like, you know what? That is actually disposable now. Like I figured out a way to to pay for that. I have a very expensive airplane, but I'm all constantly looking for ways for that to save me money, make me money, build something around it. Like we're doing the YouTube channel in there, like all this stuff, you know, like how can I, anyway, the disposable income side for me, what I taught them, and there's a chapter that I'm writing in this book for these kids is what if you can live off 10%? Yeah. Like what if you live off 10 and save 90 or invest 90 forever? Yeah. Like, until you get so older, awesome. you actually have problems. Yeah. Like you actually have things. And then you house hack when you're yes. 18, 19. And so you don't even have to, like, people are like, oh yeah, but then I'll have housing. No, you won't. You don't even have yeah. to have housing. Get an FHA loan uh, and a $400,000 yeah, house is fourteen, fifteen thousand $15,000 down or, you know, yeah. 20 grand with some closing costs. And now like that's cheaper than a car. Yeah. So I'm so really glad cool you're putting house hacking. Yeah, house hack. I don't have very many financial regrets, but I got to tell you, if I the fact that I didn't house hack a Me fourplex too. at twenty or you know whenever I could is is uh, it's a huge. My life would have been fundamentally different. So I'm I'm glad that's there. I think this teenage tycoon is awesome. Just planting the seed because I didn't know. Yeah. Right. I had a job since I was thirteen. I didn't know the whole idea of savings. I I, I made money, spent money. I mean, I, in my family, money was a stressor. Yep. Right. When we had money, dad was happy. When we didn't have money, dad wasn't happy. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, money for me was a happiness scale. And I, you know, 
spent it all. I mean, isn't that step one? Don't you agree that step one, like the money mindset is like the first piece that we talked about yesterday. Like absolutely. You've got the fact that you're potentially planting this in a teenager is amazing. It's just like, as a teenager, if somebody would have taken the time to do that with me, because I was always money oriented, but for me, money was currency to be spent. If somebody would have taken the time to plant the seed about how you could compound it or grow it, I would have been, I would have eaten that up and I would have been like, holy cow, if I live on 10 or 20%, like, I'm not saying I can't spend, but let's just spend the 20% however I want, put the other 80% away and, yeah. you know, let it compound. Dude, I would have been. Yeah, it would have been amazing. Yeah. So, I, thank you for doing that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I honestly, I feel like if you're listening to this and you're 30, 40, 50 years old, like, and you don't know this stuff, now's the time. Like, now's the, yeah. yeah. The, the next 10 years are going to happen no matter what. So, um, you know, act like it. Totally. It sounds like you have a dog uh, biting your yeah. ankles. <laughs> yeah, this little guy right here is cranky for some reason. Oh, man. What kind of dog is that? Shih Tzu? This is a Shih Tzu, yeah. Purebred Shih Tzu. A oh, little nice. Mini one, so. we have a, Sorry um, We have a Havanese, and a lot of people think it, it is a Shih Tzu. Yeah. They so look a little close. Yeah. Um, one thing that you said is kind of like exactly what we're talking about right now. You said become an at least elite investor at something. And when you said yeah. that, it, it hits me with um, – What's important to pull out of that is that nobody is going to take care of your money the way that you do. So if there's one thing that I think that every single person needs to learn, it's just some fiscal responsibility for yourself. It's to understand a little bit about taxes, yeah. understand a yep. little bit about money, compound interest, um, you know, where, where, you put, where you would put your money, different ways to get returns, and not letting somebody else pull the strings there and, <laughs> and, and not take Amen. like – take a hard look at it and hold, hold that account, those people accountable and be involved. Like there's one thing where I feel like everybody should learn. It's there. Like you don't need to be the best salesperson. You don't need the best marketing person. You don't need the best operator inside your business. If there's one thing that I feel like um, can ruin you in business and in life, it's, it's not taking enough ownership for your personal mm-hmm. finances. No, at the end of the day, you know, you, you, you own your decisions. There's not enough of extreme ownership. There was obviously that book written by Jacko Willick, which thank you for the opportunity to get that autograph. Uh, That was awesome at flip hacking live. Um, But extreme ownership is something that's lacking a lot of out there. There's a lot of blame. There's a lot of they's and them's and you know, all of that. They did it to me. It doesn't help folks. It, It doesn't. You, you spent that you didn't do that. You did this or not that. Look yourself in the mirror, have an adult conversation with yourself and make different choices going forward. It doesn't help to look backwards. Doesn't hurt, you know, doesn't help to dwell on the fact I lost all that money in the stock market. It's like, okay, I got to own this. I have to make, you know, I got to get better. Stocks aren't my thing. It's a casino. I don't understand the rules, you know, all of that. So I got to find something else. Real estate's more tangible, but yeah, we got to own our decisions, man. There's not enough of that today. Yeah, I totally agree. And there's, it's, it's a culture right now and an environment of everybody wants you to be financially dumb. Like it, it benefits <laughs> Wall Street 
for you to be stupid on stocks and mm -hmm. expense ratios and prospectuses yep. and they make it 150 pages so you don't read any of it. Exactly. Um, and there's hidden expense ratios that could cost you 4 to 5% and over time. Mm -hmm. then, then there's a money manager and wealth manager that's taking 1 or 2% of that as well. So now, I mean, your return is basically being wiped out. And, yep. and so then additionally, you've got banks that don't want you to be smart about finances because they're charging you 25% on a credit card or yeah. a 150 page document to sign a mortgage that you you're mm -hmm. never going to read and don't understand. So you just sign it. And then, so it's just, it, it really, that's, they're all making money off of us. And so yeah. it doesn't make sense for them to teach us. And it, it, it's, it's beneficial to them for us, them to make it confusing. It actually is really simple. Like when it comes, money is actually can be really simple and really beneficial. It's just a tool. And I think your mindset around it is one of the most important pieces. So, um, so you spoke at Flip Hacking Live and you talked about mm -hmm. uh, specifically about building a buy box. Can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that? And I think um, the what I got from your presentation was was transformational for me. And I could see it in the room for a lot of people, just understanding the importance of that and how many people overlook it and just jump right mm -hmm. in, like, like you said, in their backyard or somewhere else that without thinking it through and really building a system. And I think you you structured it really well where this is my system and this is the plan and you can duplicate it too. Yeah, I think I, I think the buy box is everything for a new real estate investor. So I'll, I'll do my best to kind of outline it here. So the buy box is really two things. It's permission to focus and permission to ignore. Most new investors don't understand the ignore. Um, they say things like, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to look at that and this. Uh, so let's talk about my buy box from 2001. I think it's the best example. So in 2001, I'm living in the Silicon Valley, the Bay Area, San Francisco, for those that don't know, area. Uh, and I chose to invest in a city called Fresno, California. It's two and a half hours away. I never lived there. I knew no one and I never visited. It's a million people. So it's a big, it's a relatively big market. I chose it because the numbers made sense. But in 2002, we didn't have all this technologies and Zillow and PropStream and all this other stuff. You had the MLS, Realtor.com, I think is what I used or something like that. And if I would have just looked at Fresno, California and did a blind search, I would have been gambling at best and probably gone nowhere because I couldn't learn it. So what did I do in 2001? First step first, I talked to 20 people that invest in Fresno. And I asked them, if you had to start over, where would you invest? And I got 40 different answers. But one area came up more often than others. It was a zip code called 93703. They refer to it as the Mayfair District. I'm, I don't know any better, but I'm like, hey, 17 of the 40 people said this. I'm going there. Step one. Mayfair is still relatively big. It's probably got, you know, back in the day, three, 400 listings all different types, houses, duplex, apartments, you know, trailers, all these things. Too much. So I chose single family homes. Why? Because that's all I ever lived in. That was, that was the extent of my research. I never lived in a duplex, so I didn't look. Single family homes. Then I said three or four bedrooms. Then I said two baths. Then I said two car garage, one story. And finally, I said between 1,250 to 2,000 square feet. Why did I add all those variables? The reason is simple. I wanted to get to an active list 
of somewhere between 20 and 40 listings. What I found, if you had more than 40, I couldn't go through it quickly. And if I had less than 20, it wouldn't change enough. So I played with their criteria to get an active listing of something like 31 or 32 listings. This is 2001, 2002. But here's what I mean by discipline. I saved that search and that is all I looked at for three years. Three years. The rest of Fresno might as well not have existed. If it wasn't in 93703, it wasn't three or four bedrooms, it wasn't two baths, it wasn't two car garage, it wasn't the right square footage, I didn't see it. That is where people go wrong. New investors go wrong, in my opinion, at the very beginning because they're flooding their minds with too much stuff. You can't compare Fresno with Dallas, with, with uh, Huntsville, Alabama. You can't compare in the beginning a house with an apartment versus a mobile home. They're different. They have different costs, different expense, different lending. Just everything's different. So in the beginning, I believe you need a buy box, a tight focus. But then here's the magic. And here's where I really closed with Flip Hacking Live. Your goal with a buy box is one thing that you probably don't understand. The one thing you're trying to do with a buy box is understand what the average return is. If you do this for 90 days, you will be able to at some point say the average return on this is 6%. It's, I call it yield. You can call it cash on cash, call it whatever you want. And then, and only then, can you stop? You can start shopping for property because I don't want anybody that follows my strategy to buy an average deal. Anybody can buy an average deal. I want you to buy good or great deals. Okay, what does that mean? In my world, if average is six, you should buy a seven and a half, which is good, or a nine, which is great. So again, it's hard, it takes discipline, but it is possible if you're consistent and focused. So again, I believe the buy box creates focus and discipline. The goal of it is to learn average. And then from then on out, we only buy good or great deals. That's, you know, we, that's kind of my focus. We're so similar in the, the strategy. I think the reason why we get along so well is because it's like uh, fundamental principles that we're going through that are the exact same. Um, not just the ethical side of it, but actually like then going to strategy. Because even though, like I teach the same thing to wholesalers and flippers. If you're a wholesaler and flipper just getting started, I tell you, go into the, uh, go into uh, list source and I want you to pull for free, pull all of the transactions that were done in the last few months and, and look at your area and start and then sort it by the most transactions in the, in the type of property that you're looking for and look by zip code. And so now you can get a list of the zip codes. And if you're a wholesaler, these are transactions that were bought. You use non-owner occupied properties that were purchased in the last six months. And you, it's, this is, these are your, what your buyer's buying and how many mm -hmm. in what areas. And now you can sort it and you can have the top couple zip codes. So now mm -hmm. you say, okay, what is this zip code? Oh, this zip code is like a, a knife area where it's all rental properties. This is a zip code where it's like really nice properties. Like you can figure it out of what everyone is. So it's like flippers are buying here, landlords are buying here, slumlords are buying mm -hmm. here. Like, and then you can determine what kind of customer you want to create. And then you mm -hmm. just go in there and there's, in the last six months, if it's a high transactional area, you just got to get one. Exactly. You just got to get one deal. Exactly what you're saying. You just get one rental property. I'm like, just get one deal. And, and the problem is they're focusing on the whole city. 
yeah. they're throwing a net that has such big holes that everything's slipping through it. And so same thing as a flipper. Yeah. You go in as a flipper. Yeah. Flippers are, this is what they think. Oh, that zip code over there has so many flippers that are flipping houses in it. It's saturated. I'm going to go over here where nobody's flipping houses. There's nobody's flipping houses over there because there's no money over there to make. Exactly. And so just you go over there and those guys are doing 10. This, this guy's doing five. This guy's doing three. You just need to do one. Just go get one yeah. and go to the zip code. They're over there because everybody wants to buy over there. And your customer is the buyer, not mm -hmm. the seller. Like, so go yeah. over there and figure out how to find just one deal. And then, and then I'm like, just go talk to the gun shops and the pawn shops and like, and the, everybody go, go talk to the lady in the neighborhood who knows everything that's going on in the whole yeah. neighborhood. Like that's how yeah. you get your first deal. And then once you get your first deal, the second one's easy. The third one's easier. <laughs> the fourth one's easier. And so I love this. Like, and, and, and then if you're talking, if you're a flipper and you're talking to a wholesaler or you're a landlord, you're talking to a wholesaler, you say, I'm buying in the Mayfair district, 1,200 yeah. to 2,000 square feet. Three or four bedroom only, two bath, one story, single family. That's it. When you have that's that, it. call me. And they're like, oh, Michael's the Mayfair guy. So anytime I get exactly. a Mayfair deal, I send it to Michael because he's going to buy it. Exactly. If it's a good deal, he buys it. And then the exactly realtors right. know that's where you're looking. This is what you're looking for. Oh, it doesn't fit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As I'm listening to you, I'm like, ah, I could build this so fast right now knowing what I know. And so now the challenge is it's all the people who are who are like, they're stuck on starting. Like what kind of advice would you give to somebody who, who hears this and they're like, okay, this all makes sense. Bill and Michael, it makes sense. You guys have been doing this for a long time. It's easy for you to make an offer now. Like what kind of advice would you give to somebody who is kind of stuck in that like learning phase to kind of get mm -hmm. out there and do something? Like what would be your best advice for that? So what I find with new investors that are stuck there is they have the wrong winning strategy. So what does that mean? A lot of them that I talk to think winning is buying the first deal. And I don't think that's the case at all. I think there are many micro steps that I want people to celebrate out loud. What, what might those be? Well, you know what? If you get a buy box like I talked about and you look at it and document changes 90 days in a row, I want you to celebrate that. Because I've been telling people to do this for five years and less than 10% of the people I talk to do it 90 days in a row. So celebrate that. The next thing I want you to celebrate is if you can articulate to your significant other or one of your best friends what your buy box is and, and what an average deal is. Because most people have no idea. If you could say an average deal and you know blah, 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 buy box is 6% yield, you know more than 99.9% .9 of the people out there, including agents and investors and flippers. The next thing I want you to celebrate in this one, I want you to pop champagne or Coke or whatever the thing is for you. When you write your first great offer, I want you to celebrate that. And again, your great offer, especially in a market like we're in today, the seller may say, no, thank you. They may tell you to F off. They may be not even counter. Who cares? I want you to celebrate getting to the point of writing a great offer that you feel great about. The seller saying yes is inconsequential. You have done the work, you put in the time, and you wrote the offer. Too many new investors beat themselves up because Bill or Mike, you don't get it. I've been doing it for six months and I haven't bought anything. Well, have you written an offer? No, I haven't. Well, there's the problem. 
and again, if you have to write an offer today that I would think is disrespectful, call it 30% below, write the offer anyway. If your numbers say this is only a great deal if, write the offer. Yes, the seller will probably not respond. Who cares? Write the offer. That first win is amazing. And trust me, after writing the first offer, the second one's a lot easier. And the third one. In the end, a lot of people that I see stuck have the wrong celebration. They want to celebrate closing a deal. And that's that's inconsequential to me. There's so many steps you should celebrate before that. I 100% agree with that also. Um, Tony Robbins has these four boxes. I don't know if you've ever seen him do this presentation, but it's it's potential, then mm-hmm. action, then results, then belief. And it's a cycle oh, okay. of these four yeah, things. So he talks about how like everybody has this uh, like unlimited potential. Like if you ask people like, what, what do you think your potential is? They're like, oh, it's m- much higher than what I'm achieving. So they believe that they have this high potential. And then they go out there and take action. And then they have some result that they're expecting or wanting or desiring. And then that result flows into belief. So like you believe that you can or cannot do it. And then that will then adjust your potential. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's like a, almost like a flywheel that gets going. Sure. And so exactly it. what you said inside of those four boxes, the problem that I see is what you talked about where the result, they think the result is getting their first deal. Exactly. And if that's it, then they're going to take this action. They're not going to get the result that they want in the speed at which they think that they can get it in. And then their belief goes down. Exactly. And then when their belief goes down, they feel like their potential is lower than what they, they start second guessing that. And then their action goes down. Exactly. And if their action goes down, they never achieve the result. And then they're just like, okay, I quit. It does. It doesn't work. Yep. Bullshit. It does work. If you, yeah. Absolutely but right. if you input a different result in that box, and so like exactly. what I always talk about is like just exactly what you just said. What if you just wanted to talk to a seller? Yeah. Like celebrate that. I, yeah. I always want my result is to talk to a seller. You take action, you talk to a seller, your belief goes up, not down. And then, so it's like, the, like you said, the micro wins need to be put in that result box. So that's, it's a very good visual to use when it comes to this is those four boxes that I love. And, I love um, and the other thing is I just did a, a show with a, a sales person, Lindsay, um, she gave a presentation on sales at the event mm. and she talked about detaching from the result. Mm-hmm. So it's so, so important in a sales conversation to detach from the result and really start caring. So when you were saying that it's like, I just talked to her right before this, this call, that's playing in my head of the fact that we're so attached to the result yeah. that when we don't get it, we drop belief and drop potential and everything just starts snowballing in a reverse. It goes around the wrong way. Um, yeah, we're we not taking I, less action. Yeah. So I was a sales guy. That was my day job for the last 15 years. And the last five or so years is I took products that didn't exist and turned them into a hundred million bucks. That was, I did that three times over the last five years. And it, she's absolutely right. I, what you basically have to do is you have to create what you, what most salespeople call a pipeline. You can call it other things, but there are steps that you go through and then you're just playing with the knobs. And if you put enough stuff in and you're worried and you get the conversions right, the result happens. It's a mathematical equation with small variances. Too many people, she's right, only focus on the end. And thus, they don't do all of these things. So the Tony Robbins... Uh, your, your sales professor. Absolutely right. We got to, if I was talking to new investors, just change the little wins. Like you said, yeah. 
You want to be a wholesaler? Well, you know what? You got to talk to sell. No, you don't even talk to sellers. I would argue that's not what you do. You talk to owners. They may become sellers because again, a lot of wholesalers go in thinking they're talking to a seller. They're probably an owner. They may be a seller someday in the future. Why don't you build a relationship with them so that you can check in and once a year or whatever. So again, I would say it's calling owners, um, but celebrate that. We have to create, we have to create wins so we get more self-belief so that we can go back and pick up the phone again and do it again, whatever it is. It's awesomely done. Nice I love that. Yeah, the, I want to kind of close it out with this question. And the, sure. I want to talk about the consistency in your YouTube channel specifically, because sure. the amount of time, like what the system that you built, the time that you put in, um, mm. I think there's a lot of people out there that are not willing to put that, that time into it <laughs> to get the result sure. at the end. So I would love to hear, first of all, you tell everybody kind of how you built that, what, what it took. And sure. then, um, like how do they stay consistent over a long period of time? And like, it, there's probably times where you weren't getting the results that you expected, those kind of things. So maybe just talk to some of that. And I think it's, I think it's important to see the, the level at which you were performing to get to the place mm -hmm. where you are now. So if you talk a little bit about your YouTube channel, some of the building yeah. of that and, and some of that stuff, I think it'll help because I mean, just, and if you're listening, just take YouTube channel and input real estate business. It's, it's the same. Yeah. It's the same thing. Um, so let's talk about the beginning. Cause I, I, I think, I think any channel kind of evolves over time. Uh, so I retire from work at February 2nd of 2018 I have a couple of weeks of being excited because, you know, hey, I'm 45. I don't have to work anymore. Uh, I then, for the first time in my life, get depressed. And it's a negative spiral. I got nothing to do. I'm not contributing. My ego's not working. You know, it, it's, you know, a month, maybe six weeks in. I'm seriously considering getting a job. And I have multiple job offers on the table because what I did, I was really good at. And I remember on the weekend, going if, if this if if something doesn't change if i don't have a mission i'm just going to get a job and boy that would be a failure i remember saying that to myself so what i decided to do first is i decided to write one rental at a time because again it's it, it's a book that i didn't think existed it's like hey i read rich dad poor dad and then what happened so you know that that was a story that that felt better but at the end of that we were on another trip in asia and I remember watching Graham Stephan and meet Kevin and I'm like, Oh, these guys, you know, at the time Graham's got, you know, I don't know, five or six units, meet Kevin's got seven or eight. And you know, I'm, I've got hundreds and I'm like, Oh, maybe, maybe I should have a YouTube channel and just share what being a landlord is. Bill, I got to tell you, I didn't even know you could monetize a channel. I had no idea. I came to YouTube because I simply wanted to find a way to fill my cup. Unfortunately, what I found with a YouTube channel is you individually can only create so much content with so much ideas. It starts to feel like work. So to how we started this interview, I started to go to social media, i.e. Facebook, and find other folks that are doing it like yourself and like many of your friends. And that worked. That felt good. We had different conversations. What really changed for one rental at a time is I started to recruit people that are like-minded. I call I call them my millionaires. And we have a standing recording uh, every week, like Anna Kelly, 8 a.m. Wednesday. Um, you know, uh, Jason Pritchard, 8 a.m. Sunday morning. And really why this is important is 
I have, I think I have 12 hours booked every week with 12 different people. We record three topics. That's 36 videos. I also take it upon myself to do one live show every day called the daily financial news. It's something I've been doing 30 years. I read, I'm up early five o'clock. I read the financial stuff. Now I take notes and do a live show at seven 30. Um, so yeah, one rental at a time has grown because we've cultivated other contributors and I fill them in with other folks like yourself four or five times. Um, you're just too busy to do weekly. I understand, <laughs> but, um, it's, it's, it's really wild. So this is something I want people to see. If you look at me today, I have roughly 55,000 subs. Uh, I made $80,000 in AdSense last year. What really probably shocks people is I've never edited a video. Never one edit. I didn't have anybody doing thumbnails for a couple of years. I've now done 12,000 videos. One rental at a time, the YouTube channel has helped me generate over seven figures in other things, books, courses. I mean, by accident, I am not an entrepreneur. I have no team, no funnel, no, none of these things. It's just by being consistent, sharing what works and what doesn't work. I've sold seven figures in books, courses, and other stuff. It's kind of wild to think about, but really what the point of all this is, I wasn't monetized until after a thousand videos. How many people start a YouTube channel, do five videos and, and cry? I did a thousand, almost 1200 videos before I was monetized and I didn't care. My goal was not the monetization. I didn't even know for the first six months that was a thing. I did it because it was my platform to give back. My anchor, what I've anchored my entire journey of five years on is this one thing. I want to do something where I die twice. What does that mean? At some point, my physical body will give up. Hopefully that's 50 years from now or more. But what will happen after that is people will stop saying my name 50 years after that. So I hope to contribute in a positive way where people are still talking about Michael Zuber 50 years after I'm dead. That is what drove me in 2018. That, that is what still drives me in 2023. All the other stuff that happens around it happens by accident. So that's what I, that's my mission is to create a platform that helps people and changes lives. And people are still talking about me after I'm dead. That's my goal. I, what I like, what I heard was you built something that works for you. So yes. your times, your structure, um, I, I'm guessing, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe the platform that you were watching, like, did you it sound like you're watching Graham Stefan and watching meet Kevin? Like, did you understand the platform and know it? And you were like a user no, of it? I was, just... I was bored in the back of a van as we were traveling around Taiwan up in the mountains. I'm like, I got to do something because they're speaking Chinese and it was really loud and I don't speak Chinese. <laughs> so I was literally killing time. I had not, I didn't have a social media presence other than LinkedIn until after I was retired. I didn't know YouTubers existed. Mm -hmm. I typed real estate investing in YouTube and those guys came up. Ah, so. okay. And so, but the other thing is like you saying you don't edit, like you built something that works for you, not what yeah. everybody else is doing and what you think you have to do. You're not chasing Correct. that, what everybody no. else is doing. And, um, and I love it. I, I think it's, and, and the consistency I think is what, what has, what has done it. What's really produced the results. Like 
literally, I remember you on Facebook. Just if I if I remember the the early memory, I was like, yeah. "Who is this guy?" Like, <laughs> look on your page. I'm like looking at it. I'm like, like I, I've never seen this guy. He's not somebody's <laughs> email. I'm in that email list. Like, yeah. I don't I don't know. I know I keep tabs on like a lot of people in the real estate, yeah. the coaching space from the background. Uh, it's and it's just it was the consistent like almost like it was copy and paste like mm -hmm. would you be on my YouTube channel sounds yeah. awesome would you like to come and talk about it on my YouTube channel and it was consistent for years that yes, that was it absolutely. and the cool yeah. thing is now what we talked about in the beginning is so so before you were going out to curate the the, the people to come on the show and now mm -hmm. I guarantee they're coming to you oh and yeah so, daily. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's like yeah. same thing podcast here. I've done, I don't know, probably almost a thousand of these things. And every day, maybe two, three days, times a day, I get an email. I got this person that should be on your show and this person that should be on your show. And it, yeah. it's, it's cookie cutter, copy paste. And it's, it really is about doing the work in the dark to then like shine in the light down the road. I like that. And doing the work in the dark. Well said. Yeah. It's really cool to see. And, uh, and I noticed, and I was watching and I think a lot of other people, um, just see it now and are like, Oh yeah, I wish I had that. Like I'm yeah. sitting here watching my personal channel. Like I build a channel starting in like January and I, I'm, we have the subscribers, but I need like 120 more hours of view time to monetize. And we're like, we want to monetize by December 31st. Not, yeah. not to make money. Like just, I spend, I tell you, I tell money. you what, I tell you what, if you put this video on your YouTube channel, I'll tell my audience to go watch it. I guarantee you, you will get you your last 120. Here we go. Now we're talking. And, and I, like for me, like I, like I said, I, I it's not about making money. It's no. about, it's about the goal that we set in the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. And so well, let's, let's also, let's be very clear when you monetize your viewership will go up because now YouTube yeah. is making money on your content. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. And, um, and the other side of it, so, so for everybody that's watching is like, I, when I, when I wanted to do this, I said, I want to do something that I would do for free yes. and, and I'm paying for it. Like I get to go fly my airplane and put eight GoPros in there and make a bunch of videos and, and I do see, that's awesome. fun. Like I figure yeah. out like, like you, what do I want to do that I can mm -hmm. do more of that I think would be cool that people would eventually, and, and eventually it's going to grow. Like I still have Absolutely. a million, I have a million subscriber goal. And so I like it. we'll get there. And I, again, this year, it took us eight or nine months to get past a hundred subscribers. And I think now we're like 1700 or something like that. So it yeah. is, but you know, the last two or three months is we, we found some things that have been working. So for you and your real estate business, I, I, I know this is not a conversation about your YouTube channel. Although mm. I would probably argue that you might want to start doing that because it's a great platform to, for you to drive traffic to in the future sure. and, and build credibility. But if, if you're starting this business or building this business, it's about the tenacity that Michael had to keep going. It's about the goals that he set. It's about the plan that he had and sticking to it over a long period of time. Like his step three, it, take, it takes a decade. What I wrote is wait. You have mm. to do the work and wait. And that's the challenge. Like right now, it's, we're recording this right before Christmas. We're in a season mm -hmm. of Advent. We're in a season of waiting. Like these people were waiting for the birth of Jesus. It's like mm -hmm. this, this waiting period that we're not willing to, we want to go so fast. We're not willing to patiently wait for the results that, and sow the seeds that we need to, to have the fruit down the road. And so yep. um, I think a lot of us are just, and society right now is very much go, 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 don't wait. You don't mm -hmm. need to wait. And all these coaches and people that run podcasts just like this are saying, 
you're going to be rich in two weeks or three weeks or four weeks. And this is not true. It's not true. No. I mean, it's going to take years for you to build a business. I mean, you should be thinking about doing this for the next 10, 20 years. Correct. And, um, and so I encourage you to, to set the goal, to stay with it and, and, and have the consistency that Michael has of getting up at five, five o'clock in the morning, read the news, do, do it at seven 30. Then he's got back. Like when I'm on his show, it's like, if I'm two minutes late, he's gone. Like he's, he's like, <laughs> I gotta record yes. something. Like you're out. I was like, wait, what just happened? And he's like, this is, a, this is like a live recording. I only have 15 minutes or we have 20 minutes. Yep. Like, let's go. We're recording two shows in 30 minutes, much yep. more efficient than I am on this show where it's like, let's talk for a while, you know? And so, um, it, it's really incredible. So I, I, I applaud you for that. I praise you for that. I think it's a great example for people to understand that they need to do the same thing if they want to be successful in the business. Yeah, I think I think you've really summed something up that I've never I never put my fingers on. So I appreciate that. You're absolutely right. I've done what works for me, and you're to that point. I don't record after 11 a.m. I'm out. Right. If you know, there's a very, very rare exception, like maybe once a year, I'll record something off hours. But again, I want to get home. I'm a morning person. Olivia's an evening person. I'll get home, take care of the dogs. Our first thing is we're going to go have lunch somewhere. So yeah, absolutely right. I built this around what works for me. So I, that was, that was enlightening. Thank you. Well, I think it's really important for the people to hear that because they got it. Like you don't need to build the business that your friend has, or that somebody on a podcast has, or somebody else in your market has. You need to build the business that suits you, your lifestyle, your plan. And by the way, that changes over time. Like Michael probably didn't, he recorded all over the place in the beginning. Like it, it's I did. Just, it, all that stuff changes and that's okay. Give yourself some grace to make adjustments yes. over time and, and change and pivot and design what you want. That's the beauty of, of running a business or doing what you want to do is yeah. you can decide. So, yeah. um, all right, Michael, how can people find out more about you? First of all, YouTube channel, obviously you've got a book, mm-hmm. you've got a lot of things going on. So just yeah. like, where can they go find more about you, uh, learn more about you and, and jump into your world if they want. The one thing that I've done right is everything I do is one rental at a time. So the first book was called that websites called that YouTube channels called that uh, Twitter, you know, Instagram. So if you want to find me one rental at a time is the place to be. Uh, if you want to attend the daily financial news, it goes live 7.30 a.m. You can watch them live. So uh, those are all time specific. Uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, Bill Allen, you are on the Mount Rushmore of investors. I look forward to the teenage tycoons. I think that is going to change generations to come. So I encourage you to go go big, go fast. That is something that uh, is desperately needed out there. So congrats for uh, making a huge difference. Thanks. I'm really excited about that. It's like one of my... Like it's lighting me up you right should now. Be. And yesterday yes. was so fun to see that. So uh, I do think that'll be like a big legacy that I can leave if we can impact those, those amount of families. And because, you know, we, we were doing this for like the real estate investors, but they were doing it for their kids. So I was yes. like, what if we all just do this together? What if we figure out how to, instead of waiting and letting you like, and my kids don't listen to me, they listen to somebody else. Exactly. So it's like, you know, they listen to, they actually implement the stuff that other people tell them faster than they do what I do. I know what yeah. I'm doing is I'm sowing seeds for the future. Um, mm-hmm. But I also have to discipline them and do all the other stuff. I get to go have fun with all these other families and kids, and then they get to go back with their parents and discipline them. So, um, and <laughs> they, like they'll listen to me like they really will. And it's cool. Teenage um, tycoon. It's going to change it. lives. That's it. That's it. Um, all right, Michael, thank you so much for today. And for everyone that's listening, I will see you guys on the next show. 